This is the Jam Plan Podcast. I'm Westside Jordan, and I'm here with B and KD. What's up? Motherboard. What's up, guys? And Colt. What's up? And we're here to talk about the legendary 36 Chambers album by the Wu-Tang Clan. Some history on it is that before they were the Wu-Tang Clan, each, each of the members kind of had their own solar career. Um, some of them had a little bit more success in their solo career than others. Um, Jizza, then called The Genius, and Rizza, then called Prince Rakim, were signed to a label uh, until Rizza's label decided to sign House of Pain, and then they dropped Rizza due to funding, and they wanted to fund House of Pain more than they wanted to fund Rizza. Jump around. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which... I mean, I guess I'm glad for because it, it created the Wu Tang Clan. But overall, I'm not I'm not a big House of Pain fan. Um, and then after that, they linked up together and became the Wu Tang Clan. And then, so this album was recorded in Firehouse Studio in New York City. And due to one interesting thing was that due to kind of a smaller budget, and how studio time is really expensive, uh, they recorded with about eight to nine of the members at the same time in the studio. Um, they were definitely not social distancing back then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and one thing that they do throughout the whole movie, that throughout the whole album, they do reference the how they talk about Shaolin and how they're called Wu-Tang. They do get that name from like a kung fu movie called Shaolin uh, versus Wu-Tang, I think. I think yeah, that's the name. Shaolin yeah. and Wu-Tang. Came Shaolin out and Wu-Tang. 1981, my bad. Um... So yeah, that's that's the history of this album. Alright, so let me let me just build a little like trivia and stuff like that. So uh the Rizza I might be getting this wrong, but I know the Rizza and the Jizz no, the Rizza and the Jizza I wanna say are cousin, no brothers and ODBs are like cousin and stuff like that. And ODB and Rizza and Jizza were part of like a a trio in the group and the group was called like All In Together Now or something like that. And they came out like the early like nineties and stuff like that, ninety one. They have like a freestyle that they did with uh ODB was like a beatboxer and Jizza was just laying down rhymes. And also at this time Ghostface and I wanna say Raekwon were like having beef, they were like shooting at each other. So Riz had to get them in the studio together. Eventually they got, got along and became one of like the, the best hip hop duo duos of all time. And I want to say uh, either Ray or Ghost had beef with Method Man because they came from like a different part of town because Method Man came from like Park Hill like Park Hill or something like that. So it was like a rival neighborhood. So I just wanted to say that. And I got that all from like the TV show because that part, those parts were accurate from it. Like the Wu-Tang Clan American Saga, which came out like last year. It's a dope um, biopic. You should check it out though. So yeah, we get in the we get into producers of the album and that is Rizza and the exec the executive producers are ODB and Methman. I don't know executive things they did. There's none no guest appearances. All the appearances are from the Wu Tang clan members, some more than others. Like you got <laughs> you got a master killer where you're only in like one song, but they're like the weakest link, so no one really gives a shit about them. <laughs> so the singles on the album is number one is Protect Your Neck. And number two was Method Man. And then number three was Cream. And then number four was Can It All Be So Simple. And I want to say, um, what's that other song? Mystery of the Chess Boxing was one I want to say. 
But yeah, so let's get to the track. So the first track is Bring the Ruckus. So the intro contains dialogue from the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang, which came out in 1981, like I stated. And you, you're going to hear that sample used throughout the whole album. So it kind of gives it like a consistency to it. And this is actually a braggadocial track. And it's just setting them up and about how they're going to take over the rap game. And I think this is one, one of like the dopest ways to start off an album, especially a classic album. I just love the grimy boom bap beat and the drums and snaps and the distorted horns being played throughout the song. And I love the scratches that are actually done by Fourth Disciple, who is like a Wu-Tang Clan affiliate producer. And my favorite lyrics are Ghost, Ghostface catch a blast of a hype verse. My Glock burst I leave in, in a hearse. I did worse. I come rough, tough like an elephant tusk. No, el like an elephant tusk. Your head rushed, fly like Egyptian musk. And I rip it hard, hardcore like por porno flick bitches. I roll with groups of ghetto bastards with biscuits. And that was by Inspector Deck. So those are my thoughts on it. Dope ass song. Dope ass way to start off out. So what are you guys' thoughts on it? Alright, so, um,. This track is at 4 minutes and 11 seconds long, um, it's at 88 BPM, and it samples three tracks, well actually two tracks, uh, and the other is an audio clip. Uh, the first track is Synthetic Subdivision by Melvin Bliss, uh, second one is CB Number 2 by Ralph Vargas and Carlos Best, and the third one is uh, what Brandon mentioned earlier, which is the audio clip from the Shaolin movie. And uh, yeah, that's it. So, all all of the members of the Wu Tang Clan on this song, they they definitely go in. They they definitely have very aggressive flows throughout the pretty much throughout the whole album almost. Uh, and this is definitely no different. Uh, very braggadocious, like pretty much the whole album. Uh, one thing, and they pretty much in the song they pretty much show how they're not they're not afraid to kind of you know get get down dirty to do to prove that they are the baddest in the in the rap game um overall i do kind of like the kung fu film samples uh throughout this album and sometimes you know a lot of people are, are not really able to fit those in properly throughout their albums and it comes off as a little stereotypical um <laughs> like paid in full yeah yeah dude <laughs> uh <laughs> the Chinese song, <laughs> and then for me, I feel like I might people might definitely disagree with me on this, but I feel like Jizza had the best uh, verse lyrically. People might disagree with me on that. So, as a, okay. yeah, go ahead. Right, I was cool. done. All right. So personally, I think this is uh, just like honestly the rest of the album among one of the best uh, hip hop songs. Definitely of the 90s, maybe all time, I'm not quite sure. Uh, this song especially has always really stood out to me. I love the like the random beats, the, the, the random cutouts throughout the beat and the instrumental, and like the random intrusions from samples and random intrusions from other members. Uh, it's just kind of a personal thing. I've always really liked that, that part of the song. And all the members, and, uh, and just they go crazy on this song, and they all have incredible, very grimy flows. And this entire album, in this song especially, has always given me like, like slums of New York subway vibe at like two in the morning, and <laughs> I, and I really and I really like that vibe. Um, 
But overall, I think this is a fantastic song, and the chorus also, I think, is kind of underrated. Uh, Wu-Tang and Big Clan definitely aren't known for their choruses, but I think this uh, chorus and this song are both incredible. What I find kind of funny is how you bring up the, the subway. What's funny yeah. is that in New York City, they, so they come from Staten Island, Staten Island is the only borough without a subway. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, That's Staten Island, you have to take the ferry because it's not, it's it's separated from the other four uh, the other four boroughs. Oh shit! I don't even know that. So it's just kind of I just find that kind of interesting. <laughs> and I also want to bring out um, kind of build on what um, Colt said. Like this course is definitely underrated. I just love the energy that RZA has on like bring the motherfucking ruckus. It's just very simple. And what I like about this whole album is just, like, the choruses are very, like, memorable. Just for how, like, simplistic they are and very, like, anyone can, like, relate to it, I guess you could say, in a way. So, yeah, I just want to bring that out there. And it does set the whole thing for how the album's going to sound. So, that being said, we're actually going to get to number track number two on the album, which is Shame on a Nigga. And the Kung Fu fighting sounds are from the same movie, like I said, Shaolin vs. Wu-Tang. And this is definitely one of the cleanest and smoothest songs on here, just production-wise, because it doesn't have like that raw, gritty sound like the rest of the album does. I still love this song. I think this is um, a very underrated song. I love Ray's, Ray's and ODB's uh, and Method Man's verse. I think Method Man has the best verse on here, which um, Colt talked about on like an earlier episode. And yeah, like I said, I just love the piano and horn samples and the underrated tracks. So my favorite lyrics are "Yo, hut, hut one, hut two, hut three, hut old dirty back, old dirty bastards live on cut, gunning, humming, coming at, coming at you. First, I'm gonna get you. Once I got you, I got you. You could never capture the method man stature for the rhyme and the rapture. God, got niggas resigning now, master. My my style never. That's from Method Man. Burn me, I get into sight. Burn me, I get into shit. I let it out like diarrhea. Got burnt one, got burnt once, but that was only gonorrhea, and that was from ODB. So those are my thoughts on Shame on a Nigga. All right, so Shame on a, I'm gonna say hard R, because I can't hard say that R. <laughs> um, I mean, is Shame that on a Ninja. And Fifty-seven seconds long. Uh, it's pretty short. It's at one hundred BPM, and it samples three different tracks uh the first one is black in tan fantasy by Thelonious monk uh thir- second one is different strokes by sil johnson and the third one is mama said knock you out by ll cool j wait really yeah what the fuck yeah i didn't know that <laughs> yeah and yeah that's it west side what do you think uh definitely continues with the theme from the first song about people really shouldn't uh, step to them because you know they're very strong and and this song probably shows them as a very unified unit uh hence the voltron line um definitely one thing i do like about the song is i would agree with being kitty is i really like the horns and the pianos because the horns kind of create like a cinematic effect while the pianos make it very new york sounding uh so yeah those are my thoughts on this song so, personally, I've defended this song and praised it in the top 10 hip-hop songs in the 90s, uh, as well as the Method Man verse, and I'm going to continue to praise this song. I think, I, I think this is 
not only a very slept on song, I think this is one of the most uh, well-rounded songs in terms of quality in hip-hop history. Um, the instrumental is a very weird thing to talk about because it's very different from the rest of the album. It's kind of a playful instrumental, honestly, in terms of hip-hop playfulness, at least. But uh, I, I love I love the instrumental, and it's very different from the rest of the album. Method Man obviously has an incredible verse. And like I mentioned in the in the previous song, the way that people pronounce, uh, the way that the, the, the members pronounce words throughout this entire album and this specific song have always really intrigued me and really caught my attention and this song highlights that the way they pronounce their their the words way way more than the other songs and i think uh, it's just a fantastic song so yeah all right don't break down from all you guys so we get to track number three which is clan in the front and in the intro, Riz is just shouting out members and affiliates of the Wu-Tang Clan. And this is also an underrated track, because I don't see a lot of people talk about it. And this is actually one of the few solo tracks on it. This is just a solo track, and there's another solo track, which comes at the towards like the end of the album, I want to say, and that is a Method Man song. So, so yeah, the whole, the whole story behind this track is that, that Jizzy was tired of always being the last person of the Wu-Tang Clan to go to go like last on the verses because no one wanted to rap before I mean no one wanted him to go first or anything like that or like no one wanted to rap after him I should say so that's when he decided he was like fuck this shit I'll just make my own song and that's how it came together I just love the jazzy soulful piano loop that just is rapping, rapping over and this is a dope song and I a couple lyrics is only from Jizzah so the woo is coming through, the outcome is critical, fucking with my style is sort of a miracle. You become so pat as my ass increase my style increases. What that it what's that in your pants? Oh human feces, throw your shitty draws in the hamper. Next time come strapped with a fucking pamper. So I thought those were funny lyrics from um Jizzin. Those are my thoughts on this song. Alright, Clan the Front is at four minutes and thirty three seconds. Uh it's at ninety six BPM. And samples through tracks as well. Um, first one is Balu Bolviar Baluzar by Thelonious Monk. Uh, second track is Honeybee by New The New Birth. And the third one is The Love You Save by The Jackson Five. And yeah, that's it. I didn't even know Jackson Five was on. Yeah. So for this one, uh, the content of the song is very similar to the first two. Uh, Bagadocious. Uh, one thing I really like about this is how in the chorus they repeat. It sounds like the group is repeating woo throughout the whole chorus, which I think, which I really like, which adds to them being kind of like a unified group. Uh, so yeah, those are, that's my overall thoughts on this. So personally, this song when I first heard it a couple months ago, because I've listened to this song, this album multiple times. I had kind of mixed feelings on, but after this listen, I kind of get why every song on this album is praised, as well as this one, because I think this uh, this song is is horrifically underrated. Uh, I've actually not heard many people talk about it, like Bianchiti mentioned, uh, and I think overall it encapsulates a lot of really great elements of the Wu Tang Clan, from RZA's production, from the flows the extremely aggressive and vulgar, vulgar delivery and pronunciation 
and I think the way they the song started is very unique because most most songs don't start with like uh, like a skit I guess you could say at the beginning of the song uh, unless you're talking about the rest of the album and I think the transition from the skit into the the rapping was incredibly smooth and very well executed so yeah overall fantastic song I also want to build off of what you said I I, I think I have a reason why people this song isn't highly praised. I, I just think it has to do with Jizza. I think Jizza is a phenomenal lyricist, but I I just think it's just because like he's very monotone. Because a lot of these like monotone rappers get overlooked, like Guru and all that. Because I, I feel like people just like the MCs with like the more energetic sound, and they just like very blunt with his lyrics. Like Jizza is more like he's a genius. He's very calculated. He's very cold with his lyricism. It's very like it's very advanced. It's very intelligent because he has like a high away array of like vocabulary words I, I feel like that's kind of why but I, I could be wrong though but you know that's just me so yeah that's gonna transition us into the fourth the number track number four which is Wu-Tang's Seventh Chamber and the song is called Seventh Chamber just because it features seven rappers and it also features like a skit in the beginning which is pretty funny it's just them talking about a person who got shot and yeah, and he's like, of course he's fucking dead. So I just thought that was funny. And Is he dead? <laughs> I mean, you know how I feel about skits. It's you know, but luckily it's only it's not really that long. It's like a minute long. But I just love like the grimy and jazzy groupie. And I wrote down some lyrics like Nah, shorty, you get open like six packs from Rock Raekwon. I was gonna say Rock Kim. My bad. <laughs> I'd be. I be that insane nigga from the cycle ward. I'm on the trigger, plus I got the Wu-Tang sword. So how you figure that you can't fuck with mine? Hey, yo, Riza, hit me with that shit one time. That's from Meth. I leave the mic in body bags. My style, my rap style has the force to leave you. Lost like the tribe of Sabaz. That's from Inspector Deck. You getting, you getting stripped from your garments, boy. Run your jewels. All the meth, all the meth got me open like fallopian tubes. That's from Riza. And then last... Uh, like getting smashed by a cylinder block bow. Now it's all over. Niggas seeing pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars, and green clovers from Jizza. I think Jizza has one of the best verses on here. So those are my thoughts on this song. Alright, Wu Tang's seventh chamber is at six minutes and six seconds. Um, it's at 92 BPM and it samples three songs. The first one is Spinning Wheel by Lonnie Smith. Second one is as Long As I've Got You by the Carmels. And the third one is Down the Valley by Otis Redding. And yeah, what side, what do you think? So the the skit in this song is pretty much about someone they know who got shot and they want to get revenge. And pretty much the whole song is about them going to get revenge and how they're kind of, it's almost showing how they're kind of crazy, which is kind of <laughs> like the whole album that they're kind of explaining. That, that this group, they definitely play up how crazy they can be. Um, this song continues kind of like the Kung Fu film theme. Um, uh, one thing that I did not overly like was when ODB's voice would get so high you have no idea what he's saying. Um, <laughs> overall, I could have done without that part. But overall, it's a pretty good song. So I'm going to continue to ride this album. I think this is a fantastic song. 
which is not, uh, not, not, nothing new in terms of me saying that. But I think this is among some of the best music uh, in, in the last, like, maybe 30 years, in my opinion. Uh, and I think the, in the, the, not only, I think the, the skit is really good, but I think the kind of intermission part between the first verse and the skit is very interesting and really builds a lot of tension and kind of lets you, like, get antsy for the verse to start. And I think once it starts, you just are fucking invested into the, the, in the flow that every member just carries out flawlessly. And I think it just has a fantastic instrumental and has a very grimy and New York-inspired uh, instrumental, just like the entire album. Um, but I think it's a fantastic, fantastic song and really continues uh, with the theme of the album. Yeah, that was a good breakdown from you. I also wanted to bring out the Seventh Chamber actually comes from a movie, The 36th Chamber of Shaolin. It's a really good kung fu movie. It's all like a couple, I think a, a year back or something like that. And in the like movie, it's just about a dude who, I, I forget the plot. I think he's trying to get revenge or something like that. And he goes through these like different chambers until eventually the 36th Chamber. And like the Seventh Chamber is one of them. So he goes to Chamber 1, the Chamber 36. So I just want to bring that out there. So yeah, we're going to segue into track number five, which is Can It All Be So Simple slash the intermission, because it's like the middle of that, we're getting to like the middle of the album. So, so in this song, it's just Ray, it's a Ray and Ghost dual track, so it's just them reminiscing on their younger days and examining what's important in their life. I just like the soulful beat. And at the end, there's like a two-minute interlude with Method Man talking to an interview, explaining like the different members of the Wu-Tang Clan and what they bring to the table. And I think overall, this is a dope song. But like I said, luckily, I'm glad the the intermission, the skit is at the end because I can just skip it afterwards. The song is actually not that long. It's like three minutes, and but the skit makes it a lot longer. And some favorite lyrics I wrote down. I started off on, on the island, a.k.a. Shallon Niggas, Niggas wildin', gunshots thrown, the phone dialing, that's from Raekwon kicking the, the flight cliche, doing duets with Ray. Ray and A happens to make my day. Though I'm tired of busting off shots, having to rock knots, running up in spots, making shit hot, and that's from Ghostface Killer. So I, I love this song. I just like how, I like the soul sample that they use. Can it all be so simple as the chorus? I just really like this song. Alright, so can it all be so simple uh, slash intermission is at 6 minutes and 53 seconds. Uh, it's at 91 BPM and it only samples uh, one track, which is The Way We Were slash Try to Remember by Gladys Knight and the Pips. And I just want to say real quick, I think it's really interesting that they use the word intermission because that's like a very formal way of marking the middle of an album. Yeah. And uh, I guess like in the world of stage shows and musical theater uh an intermission is like a bathroom break you know i thought that was interesting that they used that word so and also yeah, those, those like long ass movies too <laughs> yeah actually yeah uh west side what do you think uh i really like the song i really like the sample of glass night and this like you said motherboard um, so the content of the song is it's it's kind of representing life in Staten Island and the rough part of Staten Island. Um, 
and what was kind of going on at the time they're growing up and how it was a little bit more simpler and uh, I forgot who who said this but like some one of them references how time was better before the uh, crack epidemic happened uh, which hit New York particularly hard uh, so yeah overall this is definitely one of my favorite songs in the whole album uh, it's definitely it's I believe it's also one of the more popular songs in the album too which I believe it's one of my favorite songs so yeah that's my thoughts on this so personally when I originally listened to this album I was kind of torn with this song but after this listen I I, I, I understand the hype I think it's by far the uh, most forgettable song in the album but I still think it's a great song and I like the sample a lot and frankly it makes it kind of very eerie and very like kind of like grimy yeah very grimy but it also gives off kind of like a like I, I don't know how to phrase this but it kind of gives off like a very desperate feel I don't know what, I don't know if that makes any sense but the the chorus is very like uh, it's just very touching in my opinion in a very like weird way um and obviously the verse is all great that's something you can come to expect on this album uh but yeah i think it's a great song overall i also want to build off of you it kind of gives you like a kind of a warm sad feel to it like uh, kind of depressing just like how slow the sample is and how slow the beat is it kind of gives you like that that somber feel to it I guess you can say just cause they're like reminiscing on like the times they had and how bad it was and how they kind of changed your life around you know yeah. and there's also a remix of the song on uh, the classic album Only Bell for Cuban Links which is Ray Kwan's album and Ghostface album came out in 95 so it was just built they kind of built upon the original one so we get to one of my favorite songs on this album, and that is The Mystery of the Chess Boxing. And the intro, once again, is dialogue from the movie uh, Shallon vs. Wu-Tang, and it also includes dialogue from the movie Five Deadly Venoms. I think this is a dope-ass posse cut. I just love the grimy-ass the grimy -ass piano. There's so much memorable lines on here, like, raw, I'm gonna give it to you with no trivia, raw like cocaine straight from Bolivia, my hip-hop will rock and shock the nation like the Emancipation Proclamation that was from You Got and while, while on the side, I set the microphone on fire, rap series vary and carry like Mariah, don't talk to talk if you can't walk the walk, phony niggas are outlined in chalk, that was from Inspector Deck, peace to all the crooks, all the niggas who with bad looks, bald heads, braids, blow this hook, and that was from Raekwon, and half-mastered and assed out, mad, mad rough, task when I struck I had Tim's on a black mask remember that shit I know you don't remember Jack that night yo I was hitting like a spiked bat and that was from that was from Ghostface Killer so those are my thoughts on this song alright so the mystery of chess boxing is at 4 minutes and 48 seconds 105 BPM and it samples one track and two audio clips uh, the track is Tramp by Otis Redding and Carla Thomas and like Brandon said, or B and KD said earlier, uh, the audio clips are from Shaolin versus Wu-Tang and Five Deadly Venoms. And yeah, uh, Westside, what do you think? Uh, this song definitely continues the braggadocious theme of the whole entire album. Um, for me, I would say the flows on this song were not my favorite for the album. Um, and, this, and the beat is probably the one with, this beat is probably the one with the most, I guess, uh, 
Chinese influence on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this song, it's it's not really one of my favorites on this album. So that, those are my thoughts. Alright, so I'm gonna, again, continue, in, continue the theme of me loving this album. I <laughs> another, another great song. Um, something that always has really impressed me with RZA's production is that a lot of people, except for maybe like Madlib and Jay Dilla, they don't incorporate the things that they sample into the emotion of emotion of the track or the vibe or the lyrics of the track. And I think RZA does that very well uh, throughout the entire album and most of Wu Tang's career, honestly, as well. But I think this uh, this song gives off a very grimy very boom bap heavy song uh very boom bap heavy vibe uh again but uh yeah i think it's a great song and i think ghostface killer by far has the best verse uh i mean that verse is just insane and it's hard not <laughs> to get totally infatuated by it uh, but yeah i think it's a fantastic song and this is actually the first i think first album that um cult's like liked every song on here good job Cole. no dude Proud like <laughs> appreciate it no like dude this album is like like i i don't want to gas it up too much but i think it's seamless yeah i agree with you man there's no like uh i'll wait until my thoughts i won't say anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah we get to track number seven which is wu-tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with and the, the tiger style that they is a the tiger style line that they use is from the movie the executioners of from Shaolin, which came out in 1977. And I just love that beat. It's very simple. It's like the da 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 And that sample comes from the movie, no, the TV show Underdog, which is like about a superhero dog. They made like a live action movie. I don't think I saw it, but it's just like a braggadocial track. I, I think it was just them getting fed up, not getting their respect from, from like other like record companies and like the press and all that. Cause like everyone, they weren't getting really any love. And one of my favorite lyrics is, "I'm causing more family feud, family feud than Richard Dawson." And the survey said, "You're dead." Fatal flying guillotine chops off your fucking head. That was from RZA. And Meth is a legend. Niggas is sleepy hollow. In fact, I'm hard to, I'm a hard act to follow. And that was from Method Man. So those are my thoughts on the song. Alright, so Wu-Tang Ain't Nothing to Fuck With is at 3 minutes and 36 seconds long. Uh, it's at 99 BPM and samples three tracks. Uh, first is the theme from Underdog, like BNKD mentioned. Uh, second one is Papa Was 2 by Joe Tex. And the third one is Nobody Beats the Biz by Biz Matt Markey. By T- Damn, they actually T- sampled that? Yeah, featuring TJ Swan. And uh, yeah. So for this song, uh, what I really like about this song is that it shows a vi- it kind of shows unity within the Wu Tang Clan as a group, and also it shouts out all of its affiliates throughout the whole, throughout New York and other parts of the United States, uh, and it kind of represents just how big they are, which kind of represents why they are uh, why they're nothing to fuck with. So, um, and one thing I find interesting is how at the very beginning. Riza has a patois accent, which um, which is actually the language that Jamaican people use. Uh, people think that patois is just an English accent. It is English-based, but it is its own language. Damn, I didn't um, even know that. 
Yeah, so so when people say Jamaican accent, it's actually just patois, which is actually its own language. <clears throat> so yeah, that's just a little fact I just want to add in there. So, personally, uh, again, I love this song. I think this song is very influential for a lot of reasons, because I think this is definitely maybe the most iconic hip-hop course of all time, next to Maybe You Lose Yourself, sadly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think everybody's flow and energy is literally unmatched compared to the entire genre of hip-hop, in my opinion. And I think it is so hard not to get completely invested and in the instrumentals and in the flows and just nod your head to every single bar you hear. Uh, and I think it's just a very easy song to listen to, but it's not, not marketable to the point of it being easy. It's like very something this album does very well is it rises the line of easy to listen to but also very artistic and I think that's a very impressive thing to do Um, and I think I don't know why how it does that so well but I think a big part of that is well (laughs) but also as uh, as current as uh, Westside as Westside mentioned the, the chemistry on this song is insane and they all coexist with each other very well. So, yeah, another fantastic song. Yeah, I just like how how Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. is just like the whole album. It's very just grimy, man, you know. It's different from at the time where everyone was trying to, I guess, more of the music was mark, market, marketed commercially. But it was like good commercial, you know what I mean? This is just them sticking to their roots. That's what I kind of like about Wu Tang Clan. Eventually, they fall off. Of it. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> but yeah, we get to uh, track number eight, which is probably their famous song, which is "Cream," aka "Cash Rolls Everything Around Me." So, some I guess you can call like trivia behind the song was that this song went through like many revisions. The original title was just uh, "Lifestyles to Make the Mega Rich," and so they put um, Method Man on the hook, and he's saying, and that's how he came with the hook cash rolls everything around me which is cream and i just love the piano lace beat overall this is a classic song it's just talking about a song about how like money is just root of all evil and i just love like ray and inspected deck just trading verses verses about going down a life of crime and then turning their life around and i also love this is probably one of like the famous hip-hop beats of all time like those pianos playing that piano beat playing and also the hook too. Like everyone knows that hook. Everyone in the mother knows it. And some favorite lyrics are this I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job. I had second hands, mom's bounce on old old man. So then we moved to Shallon Land, that was for Raekwon, and handcuffed in the back of the bus, forty of us. Life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough. But as the world turned, I learned life is hell. Living in the world no different from a cell. So that line was sample before life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough. I think it was sampled on, um, I want to say the song Group, on the song Living Proof by Group Home, which is like a, kind of like a duo that's affiliate of like uh, Gangstar and DJ Premier. They, they're Gangstar affiliate. And then another one is Leave leave it up to me while I'll be living proof to they kick the truth to the young black youth. Once again, the while well, I'll be living proof, that was also sampled in the song "Living Proof" by Group Home, and that was from Inspect the Deck. So those are my thoughts on the song. 
Alright, so cream is at 4 minutes and 12 seconds. It's at 181 BPM and it samples two songs. The first one is As Long As I've Got You by the Carmels, which was sampled earlier in their other song. And the second one was uh, Money, Dollar Bill, Y'all by Jimmy Spicer. <laughs> and I just want to say real quick that even though I thought it was weird that they added the acapella version at the end for the extended one, I still think it's pretty cool if you listen to it. You could like really hear like the rawness of his voice. Yeah. And I feel like it has its own aesthetic. But then again, I feel like it's weird that they included... I mean, it is the extended version, so I guess that's why. But yeah, that's that's what I think. So I'm just going to say I don't like the song. Uh, I'm totally just kidding. This song is super good. <laughs> I was about to say it. I was about to say it. I'm just kidding. This song is so You're good. This song is super good. I really love this song. Um, I really love the beat, how it's just kind of a reminiscent beat. Um, I do like uh, being Katie's breakdown. Uh, it's not really a side that I kind of thought of, but it definitely talks about how like money rules everything in Shaolin, a.k.a. Staten Island. Um, which, by the way, if some people who listen to this album and maybe they don't have a very good ability to you know, put two and two together, Shaolin is Staten Island. Um, uh, and how and the content is definitely about how people should listen to them so they don't go through the same things that they did. So once again, overall, I I really love this song. So personally, this was the as I'm sure it was the same for most people who knew the song. This was the first Wu Tang song I I ever heard, and I gotta say while it's not my favorite song on the album, I still think it's a great song. And I think it's up there in terms of influence compared to the entirety of hip-hop. And I think it really cemented... This song definitely is not the reason Wu-Tang is legendary, but I think it cemented them with the influence that this song has you know, on the entire genre of hip-hop. And I think this instrumental is one of the most chilling instrumentals ever. And I love the, the, the tempo... Mainly after the vocals fade, it, it just continues and then fades out over time. And I love it when artists uh, start with like uh, the instrumental in the beginning and then the verse, and then they totally do a, do come first full circle with the instrumental at the end. And they do that in this song, and I really like that. And I love the, in a way, the kind of uh, political com commentary on how your importance is... Uh, uh, derivative from your worth or how uh, people's like kind of greed kind of rules you and you get greed from money and I really like the kind of uh, evaluation of I guess human honestly which sounds dumb but it kind of <laughs> does it kind of does tackle stuff like that and I really respect that about the song so yeah another fantastic song yeah, I also want to bring out one thing. I, I'm not trying to hate on the song, but I feel like there's like a lot of these kind of like I'm gonna sound like a boomer or some shit like that, but but I feel like a lot of normies just say like they say Wu Tang Clan songs and they only go to this one specifically. I don't think a lot of the, the other songs yeah. really get as much love. It has it has the same energy as like oh I know Nirvana and then yeah. they say their favorite song is Smells Like Teen Spirit. Exactly. That's kind of how it is. Like, it's kind of that weird culture behind it. Same with the Nothing But a G thing, but they kind of have, like, that same vibe. It's hey, still, it's a really... don't disrespect that song. 
You know what I'm saying, though. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a really good song, both of those songs. But we're focusing on Wu-Tang Clan, like the whole cream aspect. Like, I feel yeah. like it's overblown and that no one really talks about the other songs, you know? Yeah, man. There's, there's plenty of Wu-Tang songs that are just as good as that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I only think about it. I feel like this song actually started the whole culture. Because yeah. if you look at it, there's songs like, let's see, Gold Digger, Lose Yourself, uh, Cream... Uh, shook ones. Uh, what else? A lot. There's a lot of songs that are like the big hits from albums, and I think the song probably started that craze, which I'm yeah. not a fan of. But um, yeah, I, I appreciate that you mentioned the, the really stupid fan base of this specific song because personally, I find it incredibly cringy how they don't care enough to actually look into not exactly. only the lyrics of a song but also the significance of. Individual members, RZA, and the overall importance of Wu Tang and Thirty Extremely as a whole. Yeah, just I feel like this song just overshadows all the kind of all the songs, and this is like the only body of work that people just turn to. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely one of I would say their pop probably their popular song on here. I mean, sorry, I mean it's a, it's a really good song. I'd rather listen to that than some booty ass music, but you you get the point what I'm trying to say. It's just that it's kind of been like a little more mainstream in a way just cuz it's not as grimy as the other other songs and just people just like reg, just no, regular Joe's just turn to this and I feel like Wu-Tang Clan has more of like a body of work than just one song, you know. You, okay, yeah. so you like you you kind of feel like they're misunderstood in a sense. Yeah, I guess you could say that. It's just that people just... I feel like people just turn to Cream all the time. There's other songs out there, you know, yeah. from Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, before I move on, I want to mention one thing regarding... That. Yeah, I, go I for find it. it ironic that the, mon- the, the, the song about how your, your importance is divvied from your money is the most played song on the radio, which is... <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's pretty iconic, man. Yeah, it's like... Like, granted, this album is not very radio-friendly, but I find it ironic the one that totally trashes the idea of big corporations is the one that is on the radio a lot. It's just just called being true to yourself, you know what I mean? I know another another song that does that. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Feel Good Inc. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The Gorillas? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this... message, you know, like, shaming corporations, but then it's like... You know, I guess they're using their power against them in a sense. I didn't even know Feel Good was about that. I just thought it was just like a song, you know. Like Dude, there's like a dope breakdown video of the song. I'll send it to you later. But yeah. but yeah, like what I was saying, I feel like this one has more of the like mainstream appeal to it, just because it's like more of a laid back song. It's not in your face aggressive. You know what I mean? Like how the rest of the album just kind of have these these dark, like dark gritty beats to it this one's more of like a somber one you know it's definitely gonna get more radio play yeah but overall i really love this song despite how i'm not trying to hate on it i'm just trying to make a point out of it because i feel like i need to you know <laughs> so yeah we get to track number nine which is um method man this is the method man solo track and I'm not a big fan of skits, but every time I listen to this song, I'm not skipping this skit, man. This skit is just the funniest shit I ever heard, man. So it's just about Raekwon and Meth Man going back and forth and how they're going to torture their opponents. 
I think Method Man's too like some kinky shit or some shit like BDSM. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> though, yeah, it was all about like he said something about tying it to the bedpost or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like letting the shit sit there for like a half. Or, I don't know, man. <laughs> but despite that, man, this, the the whole skit is like a cultural influence because Dave Chappelle, who's like a popular comedian, in the early two thousands. He actually made like a, a comedy skit based on it, and I just thought it was really funny. He gives like a lot of love to the hip hop artists, which I like. And this is just a meth, like I said, Meth Man solo track. It's like a braggadocial song. And what I like about it is just his lyricism. It's just very funny and witty. It's very memorable, and the hook alone is very memorable. It's one of the memorable hip hip hop hooks of all time. And how the song came together is this is just like what I read. I'm not sure if it's true, but it was like a rap battle between a. Uh, the Wu members in Method Man 1, and that's how it came together. And I just love how grimy the piano beat, the piano lace beat is. And I, I think I read somewhere, I'm, I might be might be looking into this wrong, but I heard Method Man does not like doing this song. But I think this is one of the best, one of the best song, yeah, one of the best songs on this album. My favorite lyrics are, hey, you get off my cloud, you don't know me, you don't know my style. In fact, I snap back like a rubber band. I be Sam, I am, and I don't eat green eggs and ham. The poetry's in motion, coast to coast in, rubbing, rub it in your skin like lotion. Yo, I'm super, I'll make a bitch squirm. For my super sperm, check it out, check it out. I give it to you raw but naked. And I, I think the super sperm line came from the, the famous song, um, what was that song that came, fuck, I forget, Rapture's Delight, which came out like, a decade earlier. Oh, Chicago just, Game? Yeah. Because he used that line, like, the super sperm from, like, Superman. I just thought it was very funny. Overall, I love this song, man. It's just very funny, witty. It's just him not taking himself seriously. It's just fun lyricism, you know what I mean? It's playfulness. And it still has that grimy-ass piano late speed. That's what I love about it. And, he, and it just shows he's one of those, like, standout members. Just from his, just from his voice, his flow, and he's very charismatic on the mic. That's what my thoughts on the song are. All right, so I just want to say real quick, yeah. uh, you know, I, I didn't know much about like the meaning behind the song until you just uh, explained it earlier. Yeah. That the whole skit was about his um his opponent or whatever. Yeah. Because I'm not gonna lie, the first time I heard this skit, I I thought it was like disturbing, like. <laughs> yeah, because it actually the game is called like the game of torture. They played on the block, so they're just trying to outdo oh. each other. It's kind of like your mama jokes, you know what I mean? Okay, so they yeah. weren't doing it for real. <laughs> no, they they would be in jail, bro. They would be in prison. <laughs> okay, all right. So this song is at five minutes and fifty one seconds. It's at one hundred two BPM, and it samples three songs. Uh, the first one is "Method of Modern Modern Love" by Daryl Hall and John Oates, an iconic pop group. <laughs> um, second track is "Sport" by Lightning Rod, featuring Cool in the Game. Um, and then thir- the third one, you know, funny enough, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Mary Poppins. Oh, but, boy. Uh, <laughs> they sampled Chim Chim Cherie uh, from that movie, which is uh, which features Dick Van Dyke, Julie Andrews, Karen Dautrous, and Matthew Garber. And, uh, yeah. I heard of that movie. i never seen it. Is it a good movie? Um, depending on what kind of movies you're into. <laughs> Not musicals. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a musical. But, oh, boy. Anyways, yeah, what side would you think? So I would just like to say that the, the skit at the beginning is 
Yeah, it, the, what they describe is very disturbing. Um, <laughs> not exactly something <laughs> I would want to personally go through. Um, I don't uh, even think I would do that to anyone, <laughs> even the person no. I hate the most. No, that all this, all these things just sound. Uh, to to put it lightly, sounds sounds rather unpleasant. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, if the purge happens, uh, that's what they're gonna do. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Definitely very braggadocious, like the whole album. Um, I feel like the bridge in this song I really like by Method Man. Um, and I and one thing I do find interesting how this is one of the only other solo tracks in this album. Um, so yeah, overall, that's my thoughts on Method Man. So. Personally, I also love this song. Uh, I just want to address the skit like all of us have. Uh, I can't imagine how painful getting your asshole sewed shut must be. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds brutal. And also sticking yeah. uh, a hot, like, like fire poker thing. I can't imagine how, how much that would hurt as well. But you keep feeding me. Yeah. See, now you, now you know why it was unpleasant for me to listen to it yeah, for the first right, time. Right, man? I totally... I, I think I actually went through the same thing when I first heard it. I was like, what the fuck is this, dude? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um... Once you, like, stop taking this kid seriously, because when I first heard it, like I said, it was kind of kind of a turn off when I first heard it but um yeah this this song is insane I mean Method Man goes completely off and this guy sings like he doesn't sing like the traditional pop sound or like the yeah. R&B sound but he does sing sing to a degree which I really appreciate it and I find I got myself a shorty I got myself a 40 dude you, you killed that honestly in my opinion but um yeah. I think his entire like kind of stick, like broken up flow throughout the entire song is really unique and adds a lot to uh, his character actually because I think he has very distinct uh, sound and I think the, the broken up like fun yet very aggressive flow uh, is, is very well explored on this song and commits a lot to his personality as a rapper and overall I think it's an incredible song yeah I gotta say about the whole playfulness he kind of I'm not sure. I think Method Man's a better lyricist than him, but I'm just kind of, for comparison purposes, like this song, he's kind of like the fife dog in a way, you know what I mean? He's just having fun yeah, on the yeah, mic. Yeah, definitely. Giving me those, like, those bars, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fifty Shades of Method Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, especially in the beginning, the torture skit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> But yeah, I just love that skit. I just think it's hilarious, man. Oh, my God, dude, imagine, like, a blooper scene from. Fifty Shades of Grey, and some, the guy just fucking pulls out a hot. That was funny, bro. She's like, "What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing?" Now we know where Method Man's at in his head. I feel bad. I feel bad for his wife though, and his kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear like the the hot iron and what are you doing in there, Dad? <laughs> I love that skit so much, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny, man. I'm good. Like, I'm not good. 
I'm becoming less concerned about uh, Method Man, and I'm getting a little bit concerned about. Uh, <laughs> no, dude, it's just so. F- it's just edgy humor. That's true. Know? It is. I like, if, I like if edgy take humor. Away, if you think about what they're actually doing, it is pretty hilarious. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very cartoonishly violent, man. Cartoonishly? I'm not. No, no. <laughs> you know what I'm mean, saying? That's cartoon. You know I, mean. I would say that's more like. Uh, horror dude. film violence. <laughs> dude, you know what I'm It sounds like a Saw movie. It does, uh, dude. The Method Man trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Well, they're making it. They're making a new <laughs> Saw movie, so that might be in the new Saw movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. Just imagine. All right, all right. Was it? We gotta, we gotta pitch a, a Method Man horror movie. <laughs> dude, okay. We do. Just imagine him rapping at them while they're trying to escape. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fuck you. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I just like, dude, it's so funny, man. It's, so, it's entertaining, man. I know the skit's pretty long, but it, I, just, I just like how funny it is, man. You know? That edgy humor, too. And we actually spend a lot of time talking about the skit. I think that's right, the longest you spent on the out. All right, yeah, let's do that. We'll come back to you later. Not as fuck with you. <laughs> but we get to, by, we get to, by far, um... No, I'm okay. It's track number ten. Protect your neck. There's no doubt. This is on my top ten hip hop songs of all time. So this is obviously gonna be my favorite song on the album. Spoiler alert! But you guys already knew that. Mm. And uh, I think this is the debut single of the Wu Tang Clan. Honestly, hold up. Let me see. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, what there are starting in the song. I'm not gonna talk too much on it because I, I did an episode on it. But it's just an eight man posse cut. By far one of my favorite Wu Tang Clan songs. You got had the weakest verse. I mean, you shouldn't expect much from him anyway. You know what I mean? Dude, I, I must suck <laughs> you got, dude. Just compared to fucking like Jizza and Ghostface, and nobody gives a fuck about you. You, you know what I said about him? He's like the pubic hair of uh, Wu Tang Clan. He just is, man. I just love him. <laughs> He's like Christ, an extra dude. he's like an extra nipple. He is, dude. Third nipple, man. <laughs> no, better enough, you're just a nipple here. You're just gonna shave him off anyway, you know. What I mean? Oh my god, dude. Okay, okay. Alright, let's yeah, go back but, to the song. Alright, but anyway. <laughs> but anyway, like like I said, I just love dude, each one is just rapping their ass off, man. It's just very grimy. I love the muddy beat sounds. I love that grimy piano, that siren, the light faint drums. And it's it's a it's a it's like the essential '90s hip hop song, man. The music video itself is very grimy. It's very cheaply made, edited, and has like the timestamps on it. And the song just has like that basement, that basement dark grimy flawed production that RZA has, and it's just very not polished, man. The only gripe that I have with it, I talked about it before, but I'm gonna talk about it again. Is just that this is actually not the explicit version. If you notice, like, they bleep out the bad words. If you want the, um, the explicit one, it's called the Bloody Version. Protecting that Bloody Version, and it's on their Greatest Hits album, which came out, like, early 2000s. And I just like how the, the skit sets up the album. It's a short skit. It's about the, the intro to the, like, radio station, and the caller wants them to play that song again. And my favorite lyrics, I'm not going to say it, because I already said it, and it's very long anyway. 
But definitely, I'm going to say Jizz had the best verse on there. ODB's verse is very memorable. And I love Ghostface verse, Raekwon. Everyone's verse on there, except for you, God. And probably, uh, and also, um, what's that dude's name? Master Killer. But yeah. And also Riz's verse, too. Yeah. But Jizz's verse is very, like, it's very, I just like how, like, very intelligent it is, man. He's attacking his own label, which was Cold Chilling Records, which kind of did him, like, dirty. So I just want to leave it at that. All right. Protect Your Neck is uh, at 4 minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, it's at 102 BPM, and it samples three tracks. The first one is The Grunt by the JBs. Uh, second is Fame by Irene Cara. And the third one is She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain and uh, you, you know the the folk song um, <laughs> wait they actually use that sample yeah look i what just looked this up man <laughs> jesus christ i mean like the the more like clean bars of soap like songs like very dirty damn i wouldn't know honestly i didn't even that. hear it like yeah um That's yeah how but, good he is yeah but it's it's in there somewhere i don't know where but uh yeah that's it west side what do you think I'm I'm tripping out on the fact that when she's coming around the mountain is sampled. <laughs> yeah, I know that's fine. Fan. So I'm Jesus just Christ. like, what is? That's a, that's that's interesting. That's a unique uh, sample there. Imagine um, if you actually heard the whole sample throughout the song. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear them like rapping over that beat. <laughs> Imagine that's the chorus. Oh my <laughs> gosh, man! ODB on the chorus. <laughs> oh, um. So, if there's one thing you can say, you can't say about this album is that it's inconsistent. This is very consistent. The message is very consistent, and the fact that it's very braggadocious. Um, one thing I will say about the beat that compared to other beats is that I would say this beat is a little bit more of a straight up break beat compared to some of the other ones. Cause yeah. I'm not sure if I hear too many pianos or horns in this one. Some of them have pianos, some of them have horns. This one sounds to me like a little bit more like a stripped down break beat. Um, Almost kind of like a Nas song in a way, mm-hmm. um, but definitely not a Nas song, because you know Wu Tang Clan sounds very very different from Nas. So don't don't, <laughs> don't think I'm uh, don't think I'm trying to sound like oh Wu Tang Clan's just like Nas. No, that's not what I'm saying. Just like the beat <laughs> would have fit Nas well too, just in a different way. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on Protecting Neck. Alright, so uh, I I love this song just like Bianchi and the rest. Uh, I'm pretty sure the rest of you guys do. Um, I think this is a top-tier posse cut, and it's maybe the best or second-best posse cut of all time next to Really Go by Danny Brown. Um, but yeah, I think all the members, especially Ghostface Killer, go completely off on this song, and I think they all bring a very unprecedented anger, uh, even for the standards of this album, uh, and I think that it's it's very very memorable and also i like the spider-man reference because spider-man's cool so there's that hell um, yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah the instrumental is very unique as well and i i think it took a more um more playful approach just like the uh shame on a, a shame on a guy ninja uh, and i think and i think it uh i think it definitely changed up the vibe in terms of sound for the rest of the album which i really appreciate so yeah overall it's a fantastic song read so that brings us to and i also want to say protect your neck is like an iconic word 
Like I've seen a lot of rappers use that over and over. It's like a cultural word, I guess you can say. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I want to say this is probably like the strongest lyrical perform performances from like all the members of the Wu Tang Clan. Just like so much quotables on here, especially Inspector Dex. It's very simple about swinging through your neighborhood like a Spider Man. Spider Man is my first superhero. But yeah, I just want to put that out there. So we get to track 11, which I feel like is probably one of the underrated songs on here. I say that about a lot of songs on here. But this has like a different vibe because it doesn't sound grimy, it's just very soulful and mellow vibe. And this is Tears, track number 11, which is Tears. And. I just like the soul vocal sample and the church organ beat. And this song is just Ghost and RZA just telling tragic tales. The first one's about RZA, I want to say, is robbing someone and he accidentally kills them. And he says, why do the good ones always have to die? And then the second one is about a guy who catches HIV from Thelma, who's basically a thought, I guess you can say. I mean, she is a thought. <laughs> and my favorite lyrics is, me and my man... My ace, Big Mo from the shelter, about to hit the skins from this girl named Thelma. Now Thelma, Thelma had a rep that was higher than her neck. Every girl from the Shaolin dissed her respect, and that was from Ghostface Killer. So those are my thoughts on it. And it also was used in the in the song, no, in the movie mid-90s, which I, I still need to watch. All right, so Tears uh, lies at 4 minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, it's at 92 BPM, and it samples three tracks. The first one is... After Laughter, parentheses comes Tears by Wendy Renee. Uh, second one is Get Me Back on Time, Engine Number Nine by Wilson Pickett. And the third track is The Way We Were by Barbara Streisand. Um, I thought that was a bit unusual that a rap group would sample Barbara Streisand. <laughs> but then I found out that she's from Brooklyn, so I guess it's a local thing. I don't know, but yeah, that's what I think. Uh, Westside, what do you think? Uh, so the first story is about Riz's brother getting shot when his mom asked him to go get bread. Um, and then, of course, as being Katie said, the second so the second verse is about uh, Ghostface kill his friend getting HIV by you know, you know, kind of a hood rat. That hoe over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And I just want to say the after laughter comes tears sample is, it that's what kind of makes the song really great to me. I really love the sample. I think it's, uh, it's an amazing sample. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on tears. So personally, I think this is a very slept on song, which I think we can all agree on. Um, yeah. It definitely does not get enough recognition, um, and I think it has a very unique. It definitely it kind of gives me gives off an uh, it was written vibe, especially like an I gave you power vibe, um, and I really like that about this song. Uh, and the instrumental is obviously great, flows great, the sample that uh, the West Side mentioned is also fantastic. But overall, yeah, I think it's a great song. And I also want to bring out I'm not trying to compare these two, but I am gonna do it anyway. This kind of has like a Kanye West vibe to it, because I can see Kanye producing this just because it has like that chipmunk soul, like mellow vibe to it in the church organs too. Because yeah, Kanye West is like a too. soul producer. So I would say this song is kind of ahead of your ahead of its time because I I didn't hear too much people using soulful vibes or any soulful sounds that anything that sounded like this. Unless I I could be wrong though. 
So we get to the last track on here, which is track number 12, and that is Wu-Tang Seventh Chamber Part 2. And this is just the original, this is just a remix of the original Seventh, the, the original Seventh Chamber, and the, the intro is altered and contains a snippet of the track Clan, on, Clan in the Front. And the other verses remain intact, so that just changes a little bit. Not the verses, but the intro. And I actually, I prefer the original better, but this beat still knocks. I would have liked, this is like a small guard. This doesn't bother me. I would have liked a newer song instead, instead to end on a remix, but it's still dope anyway. But it's still a dope way to end the album. So those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I'm not fond of the idea of ending with a remix. Yeah. Okay, so I that's the rule. No remix, no instrumentals for an ending. And skits too. <laughs> and, and skits, yeah. Um so Wu Tang Seventh Chamber Part two or the conclusion, as some may call it, is at six minutes and eleven seconds. Uh it's at ninety two BPM and it samples two songs. Uh first one is obviously Clan the Front by also by them, and the second one is Make It Funky by Ralph Vargas and Carlos Bess. And yeah, that's it. So for me, I would say I liked this one better than part one. Oh, really? Personally, yeah. Um, and then when it comes to rules about ending with a remix, <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree with you guys. Um, not a great way to end it. And then instrumentals, of course, do not end with the instrumental. Just simply do not do that. That's a uh, no-no. When, when it comes to skits, the one time where I, I would say skits are a little bit better to end on sometimes, if as long as they close it out well, kind of like yeah. uh, Kendrick Lamar's uh, Tibetan Butterfly album, I would say that skit ended the album very well. Um, but yeah, so that's my thoughts on Wu-Tang Clan, Seventh Chamber Part 2. So I kind of have mixed feelings about this song. I don't, I'm not going to bring the grade down because of this song, because I don't think it should count, really. Um, yeah. But while I, uh, I, I think this instrumental is potentially a top 15 instrumental in hip-hop history, it's probably yeah. a bold claim, but I think this is, without a doubt, one of the most intimidating instrumentals ever, and it just gives off a very devilish vibe uh, mixed in with the whole New York vibe, and I it really, does. really like that. Yeah, and uh, I obviously the flows are great, but I don't think this song was necessary in the slightest, because... I don't know about you guys, but I don't really even like the idea of a remix for Wu-Tang Clan. It just doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. Um, but I think it's still a solid song, and I'm not gonna add it. I'm not gonna contribute it to the final score because I don't think it should. I think it, I don't think it should be attributed to it. Me but either. yeah, just for the sake of uh, consistency, I'm also gonna address this be a remix being the last song. I don't think it's an awful idea. Um, it definitely is better than a, than a instrumental being the last. <laughs> an instrumental. That's just a stupid idea. I don't know why you would do that. But <laughs> Tyler the Creator. <coughs> yeah, Sorry. yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think it's a very very mixed bag in terms of unique ideas. But I think it's still a very good song. Yeah, I agree with it. Yeah, I have to agree. It's a very mixed bag. I love the the beat still knocks, but either way, if it was on the album or if it wasn't, I, I'm not gonna have a problem with you ending on tears. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think honestly, I think if the original Thirty uh, Seventh Chamber didn't exist, I think this would yeah. be better. 
Yeah, I, I prefer the original better, but Me I like the. Too. I don't know. I don't know how to describe this beat. I guess you could say like more of a devilish vibe to it. Yeah, I don't uh, know how to describe. What I meant by that was like, in terms yeah. of quality, I think if the original didn't exist, this one would get way more praise than than it, than it does. Yeah, this one has more of a sinister vibe to it, which I like. Max. Yeah, so that concludes uh, track number. 12 which was Wu-Tang Clan seventh chamber part two conclusion that that also concludes the whole album so we're gonna go to my closing thoughts on it no doubt enter the 36 chambers enter the Wu-Tang Clan no Wu-Tang my bad is no doubt a classic album it's a must-have in the hip-hop's collection hip-hop collector's collection you can find it for cheap and I actually own this album too so that should tell you a lot and start to finish this is a flawless album no skippable tracks which is very rare to do on album not even the the remix is skippable at all and the only gripe like i said was the the remix like the remix to original track i'm not a big fan of it but i'm not going to really knock it just because the beat is still it's not even that bad honestly and like i said um there's not much you got or master kill on the album. I'm fine with them. They're the weakest links anyway. I'm not gonna go on a rant because <laughs> you know I'm be on here all day. So like pulling pulling off an album with like ten rappers is really hard to do. But RZA somehow makes it work because he like metil- meticulously puts them like on different songs. He doesn't overplot them and put them like all on like twelve songs. Imagine having ten rappers all on twelve songs. That would be tiresome. You know what I mean? kind of balances out i mean obviously it's not going to be balanced like there's going to obviously be more rappers on a song than other but you get the point and each rapper gets like a chance to shine some more than others we're not going to name those rappers <laughs> but like each one has their own style like like ghost jizza odb Dak, and jizza are probably like the highlights of the album they stand out the most but the other rappers aren't that bad and I just love the lyrics. They're very superb lyricism. This is above average ly- lyricism. Very legendary. So much quotables. The hooks, the verses, the beats, and iconic lines. Everything's iconic about this album. And I love the cover too. It's just very, it has like that grimy look to it. The album cover, I'm saying. And I just love the, the kung fu samples that they use. I mean, it might not be everyone's bag, but he finds it a way to work it makes it more darker i know it kind of sounds cheesy but listen to the album you'll definitely see what i'm talking about riz is no doubt my favorite producer my favorite hip-hop producer of all time that may be controversial but this makes this is what sets wu-tang clan apart from other groups because they were on that kung fu shit they had like that grimy production what i liked about it is very flawed and it's just very gritty new york new york New York, like, grimy boom-bap hip-hop. And it does not sound dated to me at all. It might sound dated for other people. But after this being considered, I'm going to give this, um... I'm going to give... Shit, what the fuck? I'm, I'm going to give this, uh... Keep feeding you. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give this... I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm going to give this 10. I'm going to keep feeding you out of 10s. So, I'm going to leave it at that. Or you can say 10 torture skits out of 10. <laughs> and my uh, top five songs on here is Protect Your Neck, Method Man, uh, The Mystery of a Chess Boxing. I fucked this up. I'm going to do number five, which is Cream. Number four is Mystery of the Chess Boxing. Number three is Method Man. And then number two 
No, hold up. God, I'm I'm fucking. I'm so tired right now. Uh, so number five is cream. Number four is shame on a nigga. Number three is the mystery of a chess boxing. Number two is Method Man, and then number one is Protect Your Neck. So sorry about that, guys. I was like all jumbled up. Those are those are my thoughts on it. All right, um, I got a couple things to say about this. Uh, yeah. First of all, I don't like I this think... album. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good. Uh, I think every single member of Wu Tang has a good rap voice. It's not annoying like others. I'm not gonna say specific ones, but you you know what I mean. No, I don't. Um, it's very. <laughs> very uh gritty like you said um no no you were talking about the uh the production of it I, oh I mean, yeah yeah uh, i think their voice is pretty gritty and i like that sound you know um not a big fan of the production behind this didn't like the uh the the backing music behind it but that's just uh what i think um because personally for me the, the the track that goes in the back wasn't didn't feel very ear candy to me I guess you can say yeah um but you know I definitely like the lyricism which was like top notch yeah um that's why for this album I'd give it a 8 out of 10 uh it's got a high higher score because of the lyricism but it brought it down for me because of the production and for my preference but uh yeah so my top 5 see number 5 I have uh Method Man um, I would prefer the homegrown version because I don't need to listen to that skit. <laughs> <laughs> um, number four is Tears. Uh, number three is Clan in the Front. Uh, number two is Wu-Tang Ain't Nothing to Fuck With. And number one, I don't mean to sound like mainstream, but it's actually it's cream. cream. <laughs> um, dope lyricism in every single one of those songs. Um... But, uh, yeah, that, those, those are my thoughts. i give this album an 8 out of 10. So, for me, this album, one thing I do like about this album is that even though they're all, it's a very large group of people, um, I, I do like how they acted very unified throughout the whole album. Is very, they're, very, they're all very cohesive together while also still doing their own thing. Um... For me personally, I do like the more introspective songs more than the Braggadocia songs for me on this album. Um, My criticism for this album would be that I will say that the Braggadocia theme can get um, very repetitive. Um, I wouldn't say, like, that's like, I, I just feel like some of the songs are a little bit repetitive. Some of the songs might overall sound like they're kind of talking about the exact same subject matter again. Um, so, but the lyricism, like everybody has said, and I'm definitely going to have to piggyback on that, is that the lyricism is really good. Um, so overall, I would give this album 8.5 out of 10. Uh, as for my top five favorite songs is five is Clan in the Front, four is Bring to Ruckus, three is Can't Be All So Simple, second is Cream, and number one is Tears. So that's my list. Dope. So... Personally, I think this is, while it is not my favorite hip-hop album of all time, it's probably number four. That's where I probably put it. I think this is the hip-hop bible. A lot of people say Illmatic is that, or um, or Paid in Full, or anything like that, but I think this is the definitive 
stay stand who the user strives strive for if you're a hip-hop artist i think this album has everything from, from sing vocals from singing vocals to pop samples to aggressive samples to aggressive flows uh calm flows aggressive production calm production it has everything you can ask for especially if you're a hip-hop fan and i think overall it uh, it does it all perfectly um, it also is very consistent. Some people might complain about some specific songs, but I think this is this album is one of those instances where the more you listen to it, the more accustomed to the flaws, the more you don't care about the flaws in the song, and it just sounds fantastic to you. Um, so yeah, I think it's a hip-hop classic. Um, I think that if you're going to make a hip-hop album, especially if it's this genre, you should strive this this uh, subgenre of rap, you should strive for it to be this quality. Um, so, my um, my grade is going to be top five hip hop album of all time out of ten. So, in other words, it's ten out of ten. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, my number, my top five is um, Wu Tang Clan and None to Fuck With. Number four is Brenda Ruckus. Number seven, Seventh Chamber. Number two, Method Man. And number one, Shame on a Shame on a Guy. God, I hate saying that term. Sounds Art so R. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just an absolute classic, and I can't express how influential on this album has been on hip hop and as me on me as a person. So yeah, absolute classic. Oh, I just want to make one slight adjustment. I'm gonna take off Cream and then put Seventh Chamber on there. I'm gonna piss off a lot Big of w. people because Cream, because I know people are gonna get mad and be like, "Oh, what is the Cream on?" What is in cream on there? But I'm sorry, man. This is my list, man. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm put Seven Chamber at number five. And also, this is my second favorite hip hop album of all time. So, just want to leave it there. You can go. Uh, you can go first, Motherboard. Oh yeah. Um. So I just want to say one thing. Even though this album itself wasn't like extremely influential to like hip hop culture, I know their sound was. Um, yeah. Because um. Griselda. I'm gonna go in a, a little bit into the rock territory, but um, they came out during the time that Rage Against the Machine came onto the scene, and you could really hear the aggressiveness they be influential in their music. Yeah, I mean, I'm like in terms of like lyricism, you know, I feel like I don't know who influenced who, but they sound very familiar or similar to each other, aside from like you know the obvious rock element of Rage, but. Yeah, that's just uh, what I noticed. So, something I wanted to mention about your uh, opinion, being KD. You said yeah. that Rizza was your favorite producer. I'm not going to agree, but he's definitely my top two. So, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. I, I think he's better than DJ Premier. I know I'm piss off people. Do I think, okay, I think they're similar in terms of quality, but, the, but Rizza is way more interesting. DJ Premier is probably the most cookie cutter producer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, like, bro. What do you, what like, do you mean he's cookie cutter? Like, there's nothing special about him. He's just a basic boom bap producer. And while yeah, he's he, very he, good. What I like about it is that he scratches people's voice, you know what I mean, as the core. Yeah, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I like him yeah. a lot, but he's very cookie cutter, whereas RZA does a lot of the unique things with every single one of his instrumentals. And so I, he also, was it? No, I would say I have to agree with you on that. Yeah. 
And something also I wanted to mention in terms of the influence for this album. Granted, the sound may not be the most influential. I think it's a similar thing in terms of Eminem and white rappers. Because without, <laughs> with, without, without Eminem, there probably wouldn't be uh, there, there wouldn't be Ace Brock, there wouldn't be LP, there wouldn't be all the shitty white rappers. So the point is that I think you kind of have to be inspired by Eminem if you're a white rapper, just like you yeah. kind of have to be inspired by Thursday's Chambers if you're a boom bap artist. So I think it's that kind of vein. It's the same vein as 808s and Heartbreak if you're a, you're a trap rapper. You're automatically inspired by that by that, that vibe because that was the first one to do it. So, yeah. I also want to say that for me, what DJ Premier has over RZA's longevity, just because DJ Premier is more like, RZA kind of fell off hard. Like DJ Premier, he might not be in his bag today, but he can put out some bangers. You know what I mean? Like RZA kind of fell off. Yeah, I do. It's sad, dude. Honestly, all of Wu Tang fan, all Wu Tang yeah. fan, dude, sucks. Ghost is like the only one that's kind of doing his thing. You know. You know? He, he say Wu Tang Clan in the early two thousands, but he hasn't really done anything ever since. Also, can I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Colt. I didn't mean. That's no, <laughs> no. all good. It's all good. No, um, I just want to say, like, a, a producer that only makes boom bap beats does not make him a good producer. Like, I'm just yeah, gonna be honest. Um, I think a good producer is experimental, more experimental within their territory. Um, because I feel like you don't want to hear the repetitive beat over and over again. And yeah, that's just my opinion. I mean, Brandon might disagree, but that's yeah. That's and also, I want to put out uh, like Static Selecta was actually inspired by DJ Premier. You can hear a lot of it, but I, I feel like for this album, more I want to say the grimy production, just like the, the lyricism from certain rappers like Inspector Deck, Jizza, ODB, Meth Man, Ghost. Like I hear people inspired by them. The production. You could argue just like the griminess, if that makes sense. I feel like it's more of like yeah. the lyricism than the production. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's more sense. focused. Yeah, I think that's what makes Wu Tang. What makes Wu Tang, what they are, because <laughs> of their lyricism. Curry yeah. and good. <laughs> but I didn't do anything. No, that was Colt. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm You're good. good. No, I'm good. Okay, Thank cool. You. All right. So like, I guess, for me. As someone who's more of a West Coast hip hop fan, <coughs> for me, <coughs> hey, hey, hey. No, I, I was oh. actually coughing, bro. So. Oh, okay. All right, sure, sure. <laughs> Dude, I was. <laughs> um, just my my problem with this is is that uh, sometimes some of the songs can sound way too the same to me. Some of the songs can just sound way too similar I have to, to each agree. other. I have um, to agree. Whereas I feel like, don't kill me here, don't kill me here, but West Coast Sound has a more different selection to what you can listen to. Okay. I mean, um, to me, I, I think it, I kind of have to disagree because the G-Funk thing kind of like sounds the same. That's just me, though. Well, okay. well I'm going to have to strongly okay. disagree. All right. Okay, I will say once Jay-Z came onto the scene, the East Coast got more... Jay-Z and Biggie brought more diversity to the East Coast than, say, Nas or the Wu-Tang Clan did to me. Whereas, like, for me, the Wu-Tang Clan, yes, it's grimy, but I will say that it is still uh, very... What, it's, it's very East Coast-sounding still okay. at the same time, and I would not yeah. say that... Um, it, 
Their griminess is what makes them evolutionary. Other than that, I would not say they are the most uh, revolutionary group. Also, um, I, just, okay. I just want to say, like, I think, <laughs> I think Westside is talking about... We're, we're focusing on the instrumentation of the oh, songs. Okay. We're yeah. not talking about the lyrics. No, because no. obviously the lyrics are different. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, my bad, my bad. I yeah, I'm talking about the instrument. Yeah, we're talking about the... I'm talking about the beats. The beats, there's not a whole lot of, uh, like... There's just not a whole lot of different kinds of beats, uh, whereas like I feel like on the West Coast you can get different kinds of beats on oh, the West Coast. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, as someone who is from the West Coast and who is a massive East Coast fan, I will agree the East Coast is way more diverse. Yeah, they got stuff like let's see, Dr. Dre, Kendrick, all of N.W.A. They got Earl Sweatshirt. Um, you mean the West got, Coast is diverse? What you trying to say? That's sorry, that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> I think they also have all of Odd Future as well. I might be wrong there. Um, Did you say Future? Yeah. Odd, Future? Odd Future. Oh, I thought you said Future. I was like, uh, Wait, they're from, from the, they're from the West Odd Coast? Future. Yeah, Odd Future's from the West Coast. Oh, shoot. I, I, I know Tyler and Earl are. I'm not, I'm not sure about the rest of them. Yeah, but I feel like RZA, like, he sound kind of got more different experimental because, like, if you listen to... What is it? O- Only Bell for Cuban Links is a song called um, what's it, what's it called? Verbal Intercourse featuring Nas, and it sounds like way different because he's using a sample just from like like a chick moaning, I guess you can say. And there's like, and then it, he kind of kind of went down a different path. He went like more soulful, he went more like blacks exploitation. So his song eventually evolved from like the um. From the gritty boom bap to more of like a cleaner sound, if that makes sense, to a more complex sound. Because if you listen to Wu Tang Forever, it's a, it's a different, it's a far different production album than Wu Tang. I mean, Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. Because Enter the Thirty Six Chambers was more like gritty boom bap, and then uh, Forever became more of like a different sound to more like violins and all that. Would you consider them more or less cinematic? Huh? Would you consider them sellouts? Sellouts, uh, yeah. I'm hearing you. Um, I mean, kind of the radio songs they did, like Mariah, like uh, Mariah Carey, um, Mary J. Blige. They they did kind of sell out, but not to the extent of like Notorious B.I.G., where he's just making songs with Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy like yeah. fucked <laughs> like rap, you know. True. But I feel like they didn't really sell out that bad. That bad, if that makes sense. Like, there's been rappers that fell off the face of the earth. Like, Eminem sold out. Big Daddy Kane sold out. LL Cool J, oh my gosh. He's probably one of the biggest sellouts in hip-hop, man. Just making those chick songs. Yeah, well, I think also part of partly why they sold out is because, I mean, look at Onyx. They had success with Slam, but because of how... Because of how... That was actually the sellout song, too. Cause they made it yeah, for the yeah, radio, yeah. but it still sounds exactly. good, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like look at like look at look at Onyx. Like Slam did well, but beyond yeah. that, you don't see them on the radio because they're not radio friendly. So I feel like, yeah. to an extent, that's partly why Wu Tang Clan was forced to sell out in a way because they yeah. they went so heavy with Thirty Six Chambers that they couldn't they couldn't go any darker after that, you know. Yeah, and also, I, like it, this is not a, there's good sellout and there's bad sellout music. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Cream, you can cons- I guess you can consider it a sellout song, in a way, because it sounds like a lot cleaner. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's still a really dope song. I feel like, like average, 
average fans that claim they're rap fans, but they're not really. They only listen to the popular singles. They're going to go towards Cream more than the other part of the album. Maybe Method Man. Also, but I want to say this. Protect like, Net. Because, like, even though I feel like rap artists, like, try not to stay, ma- like, mainstream. Yeah. But then at the same time, mainstream is how they got their recognition. <laughs> you know? So it's always that, like, tug-of-war feeling, you know? Because, yeah. you know... Because I don't think with if it weren't for Cream being so mainstream, I don't think a lot of people would have known Wu Tang Clan Clan as well as they do today. I mean, that's yeah. just what I think. But it would have went over the head because I feel like Method Man yeah. is the more commercial artist because he can. He's more of like the versatile artist. He's very. He's been used in like a lot of pop songs or something. Right. Yeah. And like so, the other members, they're very like. Jizza, he's not he's not a commercial artist. Neither is ODB because ODB is way too crazy. You know what I mean? And Jizza is way too intelligent for the radio. But I feel so, like Left Man is that balance, you know. Yeah. So like for me, when people talk about when artists sells out, a part of me kind of I don't know. I don't like when people say that because, yeah. um, look. I feel like part of the reason why people don't like it when their artist sells out is because they don't like it that other people are listening to their artists mm-hmm. that they like. Uh, they just they they kind of want to they kinda, it's almost like they just want to keep that artist to themselves. But Gatekeeper. when in reality, <laughs> when in reality that artist just wants to create a bigger name for their brand at the end yeah. of the day. Uh, so I can't hate on somebody for doing stuff like that. In my opinion, no, I'm not a big. I do not like sellouts though. But if it's done correctly, if it's like it's natural, like. Like, the whole MOP, I hate to go off topic, but this kind of relates to the whole sellout thing. Like, MOP, not sellout, but commercial. Like, MOP, try to make a commercial song with, like, the Rocky Balboa sample with Jay-Z on it. It did not do good until they stuck to the roots and made Annie Up. And that's one of their biggest songs ever. And they just stuck to the roots and it became mainstream. Like, there's ways of doing it. I don't think Wu-Tang Clan was like, oh, we're going to make a sellout song or, like, a commercial song, which is Cream. It just happened to do good just because, like, production-wise, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get that. Like, you, yeah. you have to stay nap- true to yourself and then get mainstream. Like, yeah, it's very that, hard that to do that, right. though. But I respect artists that do, do that. that. Yeah. And but actually you know, just there's... selling out, like, oh, I'm going to do this, you know? Yeah. No, because if there's anything that's, that's what I don't like is because you have to, like, in a way change your your sound to accommodate the radio mm-hmm. and like that that to me is wrong but you know obviously there's i mean to me there's nothing wrong with getting huge recognition for your shit i guess like for me i think it's okay to not like the song that the artist made for radio but you should never start hating on the artist for trying to make a song for the radio because they just want to make a name for themselves at the end of the day they want to you know, because at the end of the day, if you just keep on, um, well, I do agree with definitely stick to yourself, stick to who you are, and try to make something that is a little bit more to yourself, and, you know, maybe it'll get radio play if that's who you are, but for me, I think what you need to, I can understand why artists do that, though, because at the end of the day, they gotta make money, they not, a lot of artists don't make money by just being themselves all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 uh, like if, if every single rap artist just wanted to go by who they are, uh, in today's industry, none of them would ever make any money. And then, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of, you, you have to work one way. Otherwise you'll kind of stay in the shadows. 
Yeah. And that's just an unfortunate thing about the music industry is that they will only pay you if... It's shady, man. Record companies are shady. Yeah. Like, it's it's an ultimatum, basically. It's either you want to be their puppets, you're going to make a lot of money, but you're going to sell out your soul, or you can stay broke and just be true to yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, guys. So do you guys want to close out the show now? Yeah. This is a good conversation. I like it. (laughs) All right, so that so this is our last episode for album review of season one. Uh, so next episode, we will be talking about what has happened in hip hop so far in twenty twenty. Uh, we'll be talking about a lot of different subjects, and we're going to wow. give our thoughts on that. Yes, stuff like that. Um, I think <laughs> some of you guys will probably disagree with my opinion on it, but uh, yeah, it'll, well, you guys will hear that later. See you guys then. All right, peace. Take it easy. Thanks for listening.